welcome, folks, to a special edition of the True Patriot Podcast. We are live, a little live at 5 Mountain Standard Time here. We have a special edition we wanted to throw out there, and we knew we had to get this thing in now just because these topics are hot and heavy right now. People are talking about them. What we're talking about, we're going to peel the onion that is kayak bass fishing. Um, talking about tournament level, competition level fishing uh, from the kayak at a at a professional national level. And so to do that, I wanted to bring in some of the smartest dudes that I've had the opportunity to meet out there. Um, and so uh, those guys weren't available. So the next two guys in line that I had were Jordan Westerman and Josh Deal. And see, the beautiful is they can't say anything yet. Wait till they get on here. Then they're going to give me crap. Before we get going, folks, I want to make sure to remind you, please subscribe to the channel. That is a huge, huge boost for us. It, I can't tell you how big of a deal that is. On YouTube, subscribe. Facebook, share the post. Give us a like. Give us a follow. These are huge ways you can support the mission and things that we're doing out there. Uh, if you like the content. If you don't like the content, also make sure, you know, let us know, man. Throw it up there. I'm always open to suggestion. And last but not least, we'll get the, the uh, uh, waivers type of p uh, piece out of the way. What you're about to hear are three uh, individuals who care deeply about kayak bass fishing as a, as a profession and as a sport. None of our opinions are representative of any sponsors whatsoever or the leagues that we fish with. Uh, we have the utmost respect for all parties involved in this. We're simply just going to have some frank conversation coming forward about this so we can actually, you know, do some real talk. So without further ado, let me welcome into the show, Mr. Josh Deal. Josh, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. And let's get in the man himself, Mr. Jordan Westerman. Jordan, thank you again for joining us, man. Thanks for being here. So, like I set up and, and said in the beginning here, you know, our purpose here is to not um, nitpick or pick apart anything, but the purpose is to uh, have some frank discussion and maybe we can light a fire somewhere or maybe we can bring up something for somebody that's in a power that be uh, to, you know, maybe consider a different piece of this. And we as anglers, I want to get into that too, is what our role is in this whole thing, because we can't just sit back and, you know, be that, you know, that guy that just bitches about everything that's out there wrong. We've got a responsibility too, as far as anglers go. And for every sense of the word, the three of us are, are professionals in, in that this is what we do, or we compete at the highest level that our sport has. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, I am a professional kayak anglers. I just didn't say I was a good one. You know, I'm still working on that good part, you know, but this is what I do for a living and I do get a chance to compete on national trails. So you betcha, man, that's, that's what we do out there. So having said all that stuff here, just, to, to, you know, anybody who's associated around bass fishing, kayak bass fishing, they know you guys, uh, they've seen, you know, the stuff that out there, um, and I wanted to go ahead and start off with one of the big topics that we just saw uh, come in there. And that is there was a summit uh, with Chad Hoover put out for kayak bass fishing. Um, we've all seen the video. We all watched it. We had different, different thoughts on it. Um, but they, they got together with Hobie Boss, had AJ on there, Steve-O, newly appointed to the Bass Series, um, kind of brought on late in 2022 um, to get on board here. And then um, Chad Hoover himself with KBF. What was missing there 
and I'll be the one I'm going to, all night you're going to hear me talk about this. What was missing was Mr. Joshua Booth from the All-American Kayak Series. And, and I understand their, their reasoning piece at this point. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of get your guys' you know, take on this uh, overall. After seeing this and seeing what their purpose is, is to, you know, to try to join the rule sets and get some, some solidarity across our sport there. Josh, let's start, let's start with you. I mean, bass, which is, you know, you're, you are definitely uh, in the bass ranks. Every, every place you go, you're a threat to win. You know, bass feasibly has the biggest name out of anybody out there. I mean, they're a household name. Even people that don't know our sport know bass, you know, they know the logo. So when it comes to potential, dude, that's, you know, to me, that's the one I'm looking at going, okay, you guys got a chance to really put us on the map here um, by doing something. Is Steve, Steve Owens coming on board? Is it as big of a deal as, as some of us are thinking it is? Because like Steve knows kayak fishing, right? I mean, the, the previous group that they had really didn't know about what we do out there as much. Steve kind of does. So, I mean, is, what, what are your thoughts on that whole thing as it unfolded? So first things first, you know, when it comes to bass, you know, bass has been entrenched in the bass boat world for forever and day. That's what everybody knows it for. And bringing kayaks in has brought a little bit of a different culture and a little bit of a different lifestyle. I fish in both. I fish out of a bass boat and I fish out of a kayak. I fish nationally on the kayak circuits. I fish locally on the bass boat circuits because there's enough stuff around home on the bass boats to keep myself well occupied. But, you know, when it comes down to Steve-O, you know, Steve is a huge addition, a great addition to – uh, the kayak bass fishing world. And he's going to, you know, when he came in at the beginning and we thought he was going to be in the fold when bass started, we saw a lot of great things and you saw it with the numbers. And I think that Steve-O is going to bring those numbers back to bass. It's going to be up there competitive with Hobie. And I think you're going to see quality fisheries pop up. You're going to see people that understand kayak, kayak culture. Uh, and you're going to get more responsiveness out of bass at a time. Uh, and, I think it's just better for the sport overall. Um, you know, Hobie has set the standard and Bass is trying to find their place uh, in the kayak market. Um, the one thing that I'll state, regardless of the circuit though, is at the end of the day, there's still a business aspect to all of it. Right. And that business aspect, especially in Bass's eyes, has to be managed. Um, yep. You know, Hobie has a little bit of a different fold, but there's still a business behind Hobie. Uh, and there's a big business behind Bass. The amount of money that BASS brings in every year from running all these boat tours and circuits and, uh, and kayak events and nation series and stuff like that all contributes to the pot. And that's not just, you know, registration fees, that's uh, sponsors for the tours and trails, um, you name it, everything that comes out of that. The tourism piece and location, they have a lot of, they have a lot of flex when it comes to going to certain bodies of water that they can draw that money in. That's correct. Yep. Jordan, I don't know if you have the same opinion on this, but so kind of piggybacking on what Josh said. So Hobie, I, I, I'm a nerd, right? I have 23 years in the IT industry. Um, spreadsheets are, I, I love them, bro. I mean, I just, I, I can, I can pick apart anything with a spreadsheet at the end of the day. And so I, I did the best I could with trying to look over the attendance of the KBF events, Bass and Hobie. And I looked over just last year, okay, nothing real super scientific because some, some of the places at Tourney X and so they didn't give exact numbers on things and some things were special events or whatever. But at the end of the day, 
what the attendance and entry level showed me was that Hobie by and far on an average of their events is putting about 150 kayaks in per event. The next closest person, and that is if you give them the benefit of the doubt, was the KBF. And they were somewhere in the neighborhood of like 82 average. And that was helping them out with their numbers a little bit by looking at that national championship that they put on. You know, looking at those pieces, to me, and this is where I want to know what your thoughts were on this, Jordan, is that if I'm thinking of it from a business and I'm AJ, why the hell am I even there? You know what I mean? Because to me, it's like you guys want to do stuff to improve your situation, but Hobie's pretty much got it figured out. I mean, they they packed the field. They got the most money. What's the motivator? It, it did look like to me a couple of times, AJ, you know, it's like, wake up, brother. You know, he, he looked like he was there kind of just, okay, I'm there in spirit to help you guys out. But I mean, what's their motivator, dude? I mean, what, what was your thought on that? Well, I think AJ's motivator is, is AJ truly wants to see the sport grow, you know, and, Roger. and he is not doing that as a, like, if it grows, I get this. Like AJ truly is just passionate about kayak fishing. Like nobody would do the amount that he does if you're not, you know, it's like the amount that he does for the sport and for, for that series is, is, is just, it's, it's amazing, you know, and that's what I feel like he's there for that. And, and he, you know, he's fished all this stuff. You know, I've, I know I've fished KBFs with AJ. I've fished um, bass events. The first one with AJ, like, you know, we were in, I can't remember where the, the first classic was. I remember talking to him like about his pre-fishing, like, you know, it's like he wants to see everything grow and he wants it to be done the right way. And the way that it's kind of been done, you know, even Chad said it in that video, he's like, you know, they used to be KBF only. That's how we do it. You know, nothing, nobody else's rules matter. Well, is that good for the sport? No, you know, it's, it's good for KBF to keep, their stuff right but i really i watched that again today and like i think that was the the way that those three came together and like are going to try to get everything on the right page like that's the way to do it you know and couldn't the boat world learn something here i mean when the 80 anglers split and created the bass pro tour and you know took mlf out of just cup events and into something you know more real it created this almost political left and right divide right down through our sport and what i kept thinking back on the backside was listen competition is good for the consumer we want you guys you know there should be you know there's 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 some sort of mystique that goes about wondering who is really the best is it the best pro tour angler is it the bass master angler that's good business dude and that just drives things but at some point, that division that they create, you know, it starts to go, hey, you guys do know that you're supposed to be, you know, working, you know, working together. You could probably do a hell of a lot bigger stuff than constantly butting heads. That, to me, was one of the things that I, I was I was very impressed with is to see these three guys sitting down. I wish there was a fourth there, but there was three guys, you know, sitting there wanting to get our sport going 
in the right direction, you know, leading forward for that. Well, and I don't want to talk for them, but sure, we're not at the level now where I don't think that where KBF is taking so much money away from Hobie or away from this, mm-hmm. where on the elites and the, you know, the other that they're taking big sums of money from each other, yeah. you know, as far as sponsorships, like, you know, if we get to that level, it, it'll probably come down to that. But it's like, I think at this point, we're just not to the level where we have to all grow for us to grow. You can't battle each other and, you know, be like it kind of was a few years ago. It's like, we all have to grow if we want to all make money. And that's from the anglers to the, every organization. Agreed. Josh, the, one of the things that, so I'm a noob, right? Coming into the kayak world, I'm learning and I'm getting in there, but doing this on the podcast, I, I, I do a lot of research. I watch a lot of stuff. Um, I talk to a lot of folks and there's, there's a, there is a trend and I don't mean this in a, in a disrespectful way to the KBF, but I'll be honest, when people talk about the big trails, there's really two names that pop up more than not. And that's Bass and Hobie. KBF has started to, you know, one of the things I've said about it from a pure marketing standpoint is in the kayak community, everybody knows KBF. They were kind of the pioneers, right? That really got things, you know, uh, really sparked in to think that shit, this could be big. This could be something bigger. But nowadays, what they're not is not a household name. You know, they're not really well known outside of the kayak community. Um, And that's even in just in the fishing world themselves. You talk to some folks that aren't real familiar with this, but are around fishing. And even they're like, what's KBF again? But you say Bass or Hobie, they know what those are. What do you think has kind of led that? Is that just a cream rising to the top? Or is that Chad being a little polarizing sometimes for some people's taste? You know, it's which one is it? Or or what do you think it might be? So I'm going to back up for a moment because... I think that one of the things that we need to address with multiple circuits is opportunity. And for anglers, anglers, you need opportunity, right? To me, the separation between MLF and bass right now is that you actually have anglers fishing both circuits. Now, they may not be fishing the BPT on the MLF side, but they might be fishing the elites and then the Phoenix Pro Tour or whatever it is, the the, the tier down, and they're, they're jumping back and forth. And we have kayak anglers doing the same thing. Right. And it's one of the anglers that I think that are the most committed. I don't know that the circuits are losing a lot of money or that the competition is pulling everybody away because to me, at the end of the day, a five fish limit is a five fish limit. You know, the rules and all that stuff works together. And like, I think that some of the things that happen in the meeting to try and harmonize some of the rules, the anglers want to see that. And Roger that, that helps with the growth component. But as far as the trails go, it all comes back to opportunity. Now, me, I concentrate on bass, and I concentrate on Hobie. Um, and you're going to see a bigger push for me out of Hobie this year because of, of two reasons. One, I think the highest quality anglers currently in the circuits are fishing bass and Hobie more than they're fishing KBF. That's where I think the better anglers are. Now, don't want to take anything away from All-American there. Okay, I think that when it comes to markets, the reason why bass and Hobie have – a little bit more market share is because the Southeast turns out so many anglers to events. There's been more sold out events in the Southeast than there has been any time they expand beyond the Southeast. And yep. when you're having sold out events, you're going to keep bringing events to sold out areas. 
Um, and until that sellout happens across the board, I think you're going to see it be a little stingy here and there as they try to expand to other parts of the nation. Right. But, you know, so, as far as me and KBF is concerned, like, there's two issues that I personally have with KBF. Uh, and one, the one predominant one is the time investment. Okay. Uh, I like some of the things that KBF provides opportunity wise. I think it's a great place to get your feet wet, a great place to learn like the generalities of kayak fishing. Um, you know, there's a lot of hubbub around it, but the big thing for me is that I can't deal with weekly podcasts. I can't keep up with rule changes every time we turn around. I need things to be consistent, lock, stock and barrel throughout the course of the season so that when the next event comes up, I just show up, do my thing and move on. Roger that. Awesome. Jordan, you wanted to chime in on something there. I'm, I'll be throwing comments up from folks that were, that are, that are joining us on the live broadcast. So don't worry about that. But yeah, Jordan, you wanted to say something. It was whatever the, uh, so on the opportunity so piece, the, the expanding markets thing, like, right. Right. And how the Southeast always sells out. So the Southeast always sells out for the most part because they get the first events. If the Midwest got a April event, we'd sell out, you know, by the end of the year or by the time that we go North, either way, you, you have so many people that have had events and that they've either reached their, I can't call for AOI or I don't need to call for AOI and it's not worth my trip. That's my my biggest thing with, with this is like, and I get why we can't do it because you can't have events in the, in the South certain times of the year. That's when you go North, but it's like, it's, and I know AJ like looks into this and other people look into this, but it's like, we don't get a lot up North because we travel down South a lot. You get a lot of guys from the South and not saying that you don't get as many to come up north, but the timing is just so tough for it. For a lot of guys, it's like, do they want to go up there after, like I said, they've already fished six events and it's like, oh, well, I have a trip up to the Susky that's going to cost me two grand to get to and do all this stuff. And, um, you know, you is know, that that we, I just think, I just hope that when the guys are scheduling stuff that they see that and they're like, okay, like, obviously this is why some of the guys are not traveling up north, um, you know, and and for me, it's like it's again, Gene. Gene we've talked about this up north. We get lacrosse. If, yeah. if you're coming up north, we get a fish lacrosse. That's pretty much about it. We went to the wolf and fox, but other than that, we get lacrosse. Right. You know, and you go into some of those nearby states. There's so much better water. You know, in this, that's one of the pieces that I do hope that while I understand the business side of things, there is something about when we start talking about growing our sport, there is a piece to this that uh, Jordan, you brought this up to my, uh, in my head back when we were at Lewis and Clark. And that is we don't have to eat the same thing as what the entire bass universe has done for, for the last 50 years. There's an opportunity that we have from kayaks that, gives us an ability to expose maybe some unknown fisheries and show just how awesome they are. Now, again, we got to fill the field with that. You know, that's the, the, the juggling act when you're talking at the pro level, but, you know, going to the, you know, to the table rocks or going to the Chickamauguas and going to the grand lakes and these things, 
cool. Um, it is a bucket list item. If you've never done it, it's cool to go there. But at the end of the day, from a kayak going to Grand Lake, I'll be honest with you, man, the rules out there are, are kind of stringent, you know, and it's like, uh, I don't know, dude. I, I don't know if, you know, really, can you really expose a big body of water like that, you know, effectively from a kayak? Not as well as you can a boat, but at the same note, going to some places that we can put big numbers up, if we can field, you know, 80, 90, 100 anglers, that's, you know, to me, I, I hope that also gets, you know, measured in that mix. Um, it's a complex, uh, complex situation. You've got to balance, you know, so much about it. And there's, there's utmost respect for all those folks that are doing that. Um, you know, and you just hope that our sport learns from some, maybe some of the, the pitfalls previously of other sectors of our, of the sport fishing industry as they, you know, move forward, um, you know, with that piece, the all American, you know, kayak series, was the lowest of the four that I, I looked at on the numbers. And we, we averaged, you know, right around 35 uh, for an output. Your point, Jordan, about early output early on, we were fielding 90, you know, hundred, but as the trail went on, as the season went on, it was at the tail end of our season that all of a sudden those numbers just dove off because I think, you know, to your point, I think people realized, I got my four in for angler and I'm sitting where I want to be. So angler of the year. So why would I make this travel? Which takes me to this next point. We were talking and touching base on this. What it is and what our responsibility is as anglers to, to be fishing at the professional level. You want to fish Hobie. You want to fish bass. You want to fish KBF. You want to fish the all American as a national trail, at what point do we separate from the local rule sets? You know, from the, the, what, is it just the quality of angler? Is that the differentiating piece? Uh, that's a solid argument, but what is it, you know, where, where are we going to go with this, you know, uh, to, to make this, you know, recognized as a profile, what makes Hobie, so, you know, respected there. I mean, because I'll be honest, a guy that's not running a Hobie, I know I'm talking to two guys that do run them. Make no mistake. I have the utmost respect, most money, most opportunity, great founders, great directors that are running amazing. But for a guy on the outside, dude, that's a Hobie owner's tournament trail because they, they handpick the bodies of water that really, really show the strength of that craft. It would be the same thing as if I held a race for you guys, a new racing circuit for cars. And I said, it's a stock car race, but the only motor you can put in your car, I don't care what it is, but the only motor you can put in your car is a 350 displaced, you know, GM block. Good luck. Now, is that really, you know, I don't know. That's my, that's my beef with it. Open up the motors. Come on, you let them in practice. Open up the damn motors and get on some bodies of water and let's let's go to work. Let's let's open the you know floodgates is kind of my appeal. But Josh, what do you think that makes Hobie you know respected so high? But you know, is is it the people? Is it the money? What what is it? I think it's the consistency. You know, to be honest with you, I think it's the consistency. Like my big knock on you know we talk about. There's a lot of market evidence about the fall off that takes place over the course of the season. It happens all across the country. Yep. It's not, yeah, the Southeast starts fishing earlier because of weather and whatnot. But like 
I don't care what tour you look at. There's a reason why they don't go out west all the time for Bassmaster or for, for the Elite Series or for MLF. You know, there's a reason why they don't go out there consistently. And it has to do with market draw. Yep. And I don't know what it is about the market draw in those places. There's just a natural fall off. But when it comes to Hobie, you know, there's Hobie has consistently maintained a constant rule base. They haven't been polarizing. They've been strong with their with their people, their commitments. They have timetables and schedules and things are easy and well taken care of. They're not shaking the pot and expecting different outcomes or expecting people to make significant changes. And that's the thing. There's one thing that people really, really love, and that's consistency. Consistency that comes with security. And Hobie provides that. And Watch I think that. part of reason why Hobie has that continued draw. I love the Hobie circuit. You know, personally, whether it has motors or not, look, if you've known me for all the time I've been kayak fishing, I've never had a motor, okay? Hobie and Bass are the reason why I will have a motor moving into 2023. And it's not a matter of the competition days as much as it is the practice days. You know, I personally wish Hobie would not allow motors during practice because if you're not going to allow them during the tournament, you shouldn't allow them during practice. Agreed. But that's a choice that Hobie chooses to make. And I will say this for anybody who has anything against any rule in any circuit, you come out and choose to fish because you come out and choose to fish regardless of what the rules are. Sure. If you well, come out to fish because you enjoy fishing, you don't care what the rules are. You just go play by the rules and have fun. Yeah. You may wish this rule was this way or that rule was that way, but the people who love to do this and love to compete will show up regardless of what the rule base is. And they'll advocate to try and make it better. I was going to say, I would like to add into that though. And for those, for those of us who who don't pedal, don't have a desire to pedal, that's miserable to me. Pedaling and paddling and trying to fish. I'm more concerned with the kayak than I am fishing. So that's why I choose not to fish with even a local club that I love dearly. I love the people there. I love everything they stand for, but they don't allow motors. So I don't fish with them because it's frustrating as hell to me to sit there with, 96 things going on and i want to fish dude i want to go against you on fishing i don't want to go against you and show that i'm a better kayaker than you because i'm not i don't i don't want to be <laughs> you know i'm there to get out in a small boat and get her done <laughs> so i just wanted to add that piece in there but you're right you know what the rules are you got a choice compete or don't compete like i watch drew gregory all the time without a motor yep. body after body after body after body Totally. Paddle so many different events and whip everybody's tail. Totally. And I understand that there are some things about the motor rules and whatnot. And like, look, there's a reason why I went and got Hobie. The pedal drive is the best in the industry. It just has been. Now, before I had that Hobie, I was winning events out of a feel-free Dorado. Okay. It was just for pedal drive. You know, native makes a pedal drive. I have watched people scoot across lakes like Ufala and whatnot on, on a native because it can get the job done. And I think that there's just some give and take there. Yep. Um, the manufacturers haven't completely figured out, you know, the right pedal drive for their system or their system was never de de designed to truly have a pedal drive. But then again, a lot of these kayaks weren't originally designed to have motors either. They just right. have motors now. There is an industry trend though. When you look at the money that's getting put behind it and you look at more and more people that are coming into it, you know, it's, I, I personally do believe that you've in, and, and Hobie knows this. That's why they're aligned so well, perfectly and work with Torquedo so well. 
You know, I mean, because motors are a part of our industry and they're not going away. You know what I mean? They're, they're, I mean, they're there. So Jordan, what do you think it, it is that, you know, that uh, same question I was just ask, asking Josh there, as far as the success piece there, we, we got the consistency level, but what, what do you think, you know, that's, that's driving the Hobie and, uh, and the bass? Well, the bat, you know, bass is the name and, Another thing that's driving Hobie was for a long time, Bass was advertising the res- the Hobie results on their site. You know, mm-hmm. so if you want to get that out to mainstream, that was I I don't looking back, I don't understand why Bass did it. Like, but it was really cool to see that they were putting themselves out there in another way to go that to try to grow the kayak sport was kind of how I saw that. When I would get on their site and see something about a Hobie tournament, like you don't see them posting anything about many other competition tournaments, you know, about any bass world to be like, you know, it's, it's, so I thought that was really cool. Um, Right. And, you know, as far as everything else, it's just, you know, one of the pieces to, to the piggyback off when you talked about the market share, Josh, what's ironic is that if memory serves and my memory is getting pretty shady here, but the first Bassmaster classic ever, where was it held? You know, I, I believe it's Havasu, you know, it was, it's in the West. I mean, what's that? It was on Mead. What Mead, Mead. That's what it was. Yeah. It was on Lake Mead. And when you think about it, and you look at, you know, over the years, you know, make no mistake as a Colorado guy, I'm screwed no matter which direction I go. If I want to go fish Cali, I'm 16, 17 hours. Like I said, and I got a, I got a pile of sand to try to get across to get there. If I want to go fish other quality waters in the Midwest or the East, I'm, I'm, you know, 16 hours that way to try to get there. So it's, it's either way for us. We just, you know, we're part-time truck driver and that is what it is, but you know, you look at uh, the, the, the one bass series, that pro pro am, you know, deal that they put on, that is a massive event that puts like 250 boats every, every year uh, that they put out there, you know, so it's interesting that, you know, uh, that they, that, that market com- you know, comment co- does come up quite a bit. <laughs> and I wonder, is it, could they do it? You know, no, you're going to get springtime and maybe fall. But man, you step past April and get into May or, you know, try to fish it before September, deep September, it's going to be miserable fishing for sure, because your quality is, and now with the water situation, the way it is, you don't even want to, you know, try to look at half of those lakes out there because they're drawn down so wickedly far. So let's, let's, you know, transition this a little bit uh, in, in one uh, instance and talk about something that has come up with the All-American that, that I think we all agree is is a step in the right direction. And that is the all American. And we've got this question that, that popped up here uh, from our YouTube channel, what we think about the minimum size rule. So the way it works to kind of, and we're going to have Josh, Joshua Booth is going to be on our show uh, next Sunday. Uh, we're going to get a chance to, to speak with him um, and uh, talk about this. Bottom line is in a nutshell, what's happening is, is uh, the All-American is going to institute across the board, you know, there's a minimum, it's going to be a minimum 12 inch, no matter what, that's going to be more in line with Hobie, with uh, uh, Bass and KBF and such. Um, Actually, does KBF, they run the 12 inch minimum, don't they, or no? Yeah. Do they? Okay. Um, But 
one other piece that they're going to we're going to start seeing and we on our season opener at lake of the pines it's going to be in effect they're upping it even higher uh not 12 inch it's going to be a 14 inch minimum when we go down to this body of water so no longer are guys going to be able to you know uh easily kind of you know put up a, a 60 inch limit and call it a day type thing doesn't matter what the species we're going across the board it's a 14 inch just to even put it on this you know put it on the on the on the deal there the eventual thought, the Westerman rule that was put into play, uh, thanks to maybe uh, one of the podcasts where Jordan and I had a chance to talk about this, was there's a thought about if boat tournaments don't allow you to take to weigh in anything under 15 inch, why do we in the kayak game, you know, allow 12 inch to go up on our boards, you know? So there was an argument to be said that, you know, once we put them on the grip, grippers and we got them in our net or whatever that they're in possession at that point so therefore we should consider you know going to that 15 inch following state guidelines just like they have to do with with live wells now i i have difference of opinion on that i think it's the right direction i don't think we should be following what the boat rules doing because it's two different worlds uh joshua you and i spoke about this at pickwick kind of at length and that is in a boat, you have the advantage of fishing a lake pattern, okay? If you subscribe to the Bill Dance way of thinking about a fishery, that on any given day, the best quality fish reside in 10% of the, of the body of water. If you subscribe to that, there's no possible way you're going to field 150 kayakers on a body of water and see professional level results, you know, through even a quarter of the field you know, unfold. And in a boat, you can correct your situation that shit, this end of the, this, this side of the, you know, I'm, I, I guessed wrong. And this literally half of the lake up at the top is all, you know, muddied out now. And I can't see anything. I got to run 20 miles to get to some, you know, better water or whatever. You know, yes, there are, there's, you can, you can say we can trailer up and run down to that. Sure. Sure. But the likelihood of that ever happening and will you get people willing to commit thousands of dollars to travel around the country to battle that? I don't know. But it is certainly in the right direction that if we're going to be pro about it, well, then let's act like it. You know, obviously we shouldn't be going for what just, you know, the, the minimum legal, you know, piece is. <coughs> so let's, Jordan, let's start with you. I know you have heavy opinions on this. Um, this rule change piece here. You know, give us your thoughts on it. We're, we're going to be up in some size limits on certain bodies of water. What are your thoughts there, man? I mean, like we talked about before, like I, I'm always all for it because we're, you're not out there. I'm not out there fishing to lose. So I'm not out there fishing for 12 inch fish. I'm not out there fishing for 13 inch fish. I don't want to find a area in practice where I'm like, oh yes, I get to rely on this school of spots that are, 13 inch max, you know, like it to end to me, like we said, you know, back to the legal thing. It's like, we are now taking these fish in our, in our boat, putting them in the boat, sitting there for a while. Most people don't that the people that are complaining about this obviously don't know how to take pictures for the most part too. So it's like, they're going to have that fish in the boat for more than they should have it. It's in their possession. It is not legal. Um, some States, I know like, in Minnesota, if muskie are out of season, which would be the same as not having an illegal fish, you cannot take that fish out of the water. 
Right. If you take it out of the water and take a picture with it, it's illegal. You know, so it's like, where, where are we crossing these lines? Um, and again, like, and how, how many 13 inch fish should a judge have to have to judge? Like, you know, how many of these fish are getting cold through the day, but these judges are spending their whole day judging fish and half of them are, are cold fish or 13 or less or like, you know, it's. And don't you agree, though, that there's there's a room for that, though, for for maybe on the local and regional side of things? Oh, to yeah, totally. As folks are kind of getting their, you know, getting their wheels for But Josh, you know, what, what are your feelings on this piece? When we get to the level that we're fishing at against the hooks that you're fishing against there, you want to know, right, that, you know, this isn't just a, a matter of who got the, you know, measly little limit here. This is, you know, if, if it's fishing tough, it's fishing tough. But. Lord knows we found that at Pickwick. Good night. I mean, that was a struggle bus that we <laughs> we jumped on there. Things things come and go, right? But right. I think with the minimum, my personal opinion on the minimums on the national circuit is the minimum should be 14. That's my personal opinion on what the minimum should be. It should be across the board, 14. Now, let me back up because I went to Bassmaster at Ufala and I watched a 62-inch limit cash a check. Right. Okay. And let me put it this way. That fishery fished like Hell. I mean, it was bad. It was terrible. Like it was the wrong time of the year. I mean, the entire field absolutely struggled, myself included. Now I cut a cut a check, but I didn't have anything special to brag about. Now, what I'll tell you though is that if you look at any national circuit trail, very, very, very rarely do you see a person in the top 10 that has a smaller than 15-inch average. Right. It does happen every now and then, but very rarely do you see a person in the top 10 that has a smaller than 15-inch average. Okay? Yep. I don't think that you know having a 14-inch minimum is that big with you. I think there's a lot of people that have some disdain for that. Um, when it comes to a fish coming in the boat, and we talk about the legality, is it keeping it, not keeping it, whatever, I have never put a fish on fish grips. Okay? A fish that comes in my boat to be measured stays in my boat no more than 45 seconds long enough for me to get one or two pictures of it on the board, maybe three, and a picture of me holding it if it's worthwhile. And then I put it back in the water and get it back off and I'm back fishing. I've told people this a hundred times. It takes 15 minutes in kayak fishing to score an amazing limit. That's three minutes, one minute to catch, one minute to land, one minute to measure. And off to the next one again. Dude, that piece of advice you gave me helped calm my brain in the kayak you know this last season there um that that you you gave me that you know the 15 minute piece there to consider to you know slow things down get focused on your head you know and really so it, you're right i mean and i you know uh one of the other guys that i had a chance to fish with on the all-american gave me a cool tip with my samsung on how do these fish, you know, they're coming in there, it's click, 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 and they're back in the, you know, net in the water so that they're staying in the water or they're, you know, out of the net and gone when I'm, when I'm sure that I've got the solid picture on them, you know, they're out of there. But do you think that some of this has to do with, so I should, let, let me back up real quick. So the All-American made this announcement, right? 
they they put up that the, that there's going to be a rule change. It's called the Westerman rule, and it was going into effect with those limits are, are getting jacked up. And this is this this, and yeah, there was a a lot of concerned anglers that were chiming in about you know not wanting to make the trip anymore, not wanting to you know do this do that. So how did we go about this? We I don't think anybody can disagree that by raising that limit for a national level series deal is the right way to go, right? It's let's get out of the, let's start some separation there so that when you're competing at that level, you're competing at a higher level. Um, but how do you balance that off? Because one of the key factors about kayak fishing is it's low cost of entry and it's, more freely available to so many people to get in and go fish. And right now, I think we only have one pseudo pro trail that is earned entry. Everything else is if you can get in and get your money up, you can pay to play, man. You can come battle at the highest level if you're in early enough, you know, so how do you balance with keeping those numbers there, keeping butts in kayaks on, you know, on the registration, but yet do that? I mean, uh, Josh, let's start with you on that. What, how do you do that, man? Do you have an idea? To me, you're balancing pro circuit versus opens. So what's the cost in the basketball world of fishing open? All right now, uh, a, a boater. 18, 19. Cost 1800. Yep. What's it cost to fish an elite event? Over five grand. That's right. So yep. what's the separation there? It comes down to dollars and cents. You know, when the money is in the right place for the anglers that want to compete, look, I want to see a tour come out where we have $1,000 or $1,500 entry fees for the national anglers that want to compete, okay? That want to, like, look, you know, there's a reason, like, you go to a, a, an event on pick a lake and, like, a small amount has to be a minimum of 18 inches. So be it. That's the rules, you know? And trust me, does that make things difficult? Yes, but those really, really good anglers, the argument I'll make is that the cream always tends to rise to the top, okay, no matter what the rule base is. And so those anglers are going to find a different pattern. They're going to make an adjustment. They're going to change where they're catching fish at or how they're catching fish, and they're going to execute. And right. you're going to separate the people who are really striving to be professional anglers from the people that love to come out and have fun. And there's nothing wrong with other ones. They're both great markets. But I think that the next evolving step for the kayak world is to get from an open component to a true national trail where you have a locked field of anglers that want to compete. Roger that. I, Jordan, yeah, yeah, Jordan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, yeah, we talked about that last time. Like that, I'm all for that bigger series that has a bigger buy in. Um, you know, cause like we talked about before, Gene, we're paying less than a co-angler yeah. at every tournament we fish. Yep. And to me, you're never going to get recognition from anything when they look at the money and they're like, well, you guys are fishing for a couple hundred bucks here and there. You might win a couple grand, you know, it's like you, you dump in, you dump in a bigger payout at all of the tournaments and you get more recognition people. Right. You know, it's like. We, we talk, this has been brought up many times in the years. Like what's a high dollar series in kayak. It's like, can we go 500 and people cry? Can we go 650 and people cry? It's like, go a thousand, go 1500. Like Josh said, like, and that's where we need to go. 
And we don't need, like, I love what, what Chad is doing for the sport, but I'm, I'm not looking for a 10 year plan to get us to that point. Like right. I want in the next couple of years that we have a series that offers that, you know, and it gives yeah. us that opportunity because if we don't have that opportunity, it's just like we talked about last time, the same sandwich, maybe a different meat. It's right. we're gonna fish this, you know, and it's I time to eat pizza. <laughs> yeah, we have our best three or our best four events. You can call nine events. You know, it's like, what are, what recognition are we looking for when we're doing that same thing over and over again? And it's, it's not worth that much money. It's like put us in for more money, and I think you get, you get people to back you. Then it's easier to talk people into backing, get some more sponsorship money, like. Cause they see that we're invested into it. And like Josh said, we have a set amount of anglers that are fishing these events and it's not like, well, maybe we'll get a hundred at this one and 200 at this one and 300 at this one. And, you know, so in here's uh, allow the, the old man in the group here to throw up the, the small bit of the, the caution piece. So when I first set out to, when I realized I wanted to do this for a living, right. I started looking in and breaking the mold because what everybody told me about what it's going to take to do this for a living, you know, was this pathway. A, B, C, and D has to all be in place before this happens. Thankfully, what I lacked in experience there, I more than made up for on the business side of things. And so I started looking at this more from a business standpoint. And a business standpoint is very simple. It is money out compared to what monies I can bring in. Okay. And if the only source of money you have is tournament winnings. I don't care what your name is or who you are. You're going to go out of business. Not Russ Snyder's. The <laughs> the uh, broke the mold. <laughs> no the the level your 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 winnings piece alone. If you look at just the pure dollars of winnings, I'm not talking sponsorship dollars. I'm talking winnings alone. The cost to pay and play the game far exceeds what, you know, these guys have, have what we, what your average field has available to it. Whether you're looking at, you know, whichever model you're looking at, the worst business model for an angler out there is the Bass Opens. Because I think their payout is, uh, their payback, I think is a 60% range somewhere. Because they use that series to bolster the elites. You know, if you look at those monies and look at the dollar, it is the worst investment you can make, you know, that's available to you. But yet they've got waiting list after waiting list on the Bass Opens, man, you know, for the next three years, four years, guys that are lifetime members can't even get into it because there's so many people ready to go. So I looked at this from a standpoint of my objective isn't to become famous. My objective isn't to go out in and try to make a career saying I'm the winningest, you know, dude that ever won that, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to make a living. I want to be able to do this. And so how do we do that? Who are the anglers out there that nobody's ever heard of, but they do this for a living because there's more of them than there are the Iconellis that there are, than there are the Van Dams or the Jody Queens. There's more of them out there. So we started piecing this together. So here's my worry piece on that. As long as the kayak field itself if money's going to be the driving factor, right, that sets the elites apart from the rest, I just hope that there is a ton of 
of concern that watches from an angler's point of view about our cost involved with this stuff to go out and play this. I'm okay with a higher entry fee with the payback, but if that payback, you know, higher entry fee goes in and then we see a series only paying out 70%, dude, we're not changing a, a sandwich into a pizza then. We're eating the same sandwich and somebody else is, is you know, getting fat off of everybody else's work and time and commitment and, and you know, uh, cost involved. And the next thing you have is, you know, 40 years down the line, we got a group of our anglers splitting off doing their own circuit. <laughs> Because people forget that when we talk about the Bass Pro Tour and Bass and all that kind of stuff, dude, those guys were complaining to the FLW and Bass back in like 1999. They were bringing this topic up going, hey, this is getting really expensive for us to battle for our own money. Can we see the books? Can we talk about this? Bass and FLW, nah, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> and didn't want to pay attention to them. They certainly paid attention when they lost, you know, 80 of the biggest names in the game left and opened the doors for others. So my point is, is that, yes, if money is going to be our driving factor, it will bring that credibility piece. They will see, you know, what's going on there and you will start to make, you know, better money right now, though. I think personally, this is where AJ and Hobie have shown that with the right sponsorship and support, dude, you can pay your anglers really damn well, you know, and we can, you know, still find ways to keep that entry level to play, keep that cost down. Right. And so I think though that's the guy that I think should be, you know, leading that discussion, you know, in that elite series piece there to open the door personally. I have a um, question, Jamie. Yes, sir. How much does the average kayak on the national trail cost? Which yeah. national trail? Hobies, your average is much higher because you guys are like Cadillacs. But if you pick Hobie or you pick BASS or you pick even KBF for that matter. Yeah. yeah, if you look at the number of kayaks that now have live imaging. I was going to say. The number of kayaks that now have motors on them. You look at the number of kayaks, you know, just the brands that are regularly showing up to compete in these bigger events because they bring the better systems to the table. And you start thinking like, well, now if the average kayak runs four grand at the lowest, what's 250 bucks? Right. You know, if right. you spend four thousand dollars on four entries throughout the course of the year that's you know uh, people are switching kayaks that fast yeah you know, upgrading equipment making changes like the number of ten thousand dollar kayaks that are showing up at the tournaments is becoming ridiculous yeah but you know when you start talking about well is the money there or is it a money thing look money always plays a factor but the reality is is that at some point in time um you're gonna have to make some separation between the people that are diehard, regular competitors all the time is a very polarizing comment, I know, but those diehards want to go out there and compete and want to live a dream. And I don't think that that precludes, I don't think that that precludes smaller, smaller individuals that feel like, hey, I can't get into this. There's ways, like Bass has set ways for people to earn their way in. And some of that's gotten more complicated over time. Um, and I think Yak's right. Like there, I don't think that higher money at the beginning may not be the answer, but like as you grow into these pro tours, you have to at some point in time raise the stakes. Uh, I had thought I had heard that All American at one point in time was talking about going to a six hundred dollar entry system, you know, to try and cultivate that next stage of the tour. At some point in time, it has to happen, yep. and the kayak market is far enough along. The investments that people have in the market are far enough along 
that it's, that it's, it's there. It's just a matter of whether or not anyone's willing to flip the switch. Yeah, and I, I agree with uh, uh, with Curtis as well that um, I personally think the first step is the, the qualifying piece. The hardest part about that, though, is what we've just all been sitting here talking about. You have three, arguably, you know, three major tours, right, that are going on. You've got one that's on its way up. You know, so what qualifies? KBF's got their own system, trail one, trail two, then you got a pro. Okay. Um, but, you know, how do you, you know, how do you create? I think personally, I've also heard these, these, uh, these talks, and I know it's been going on for a lot of years, about another series associated with the All-American that's going to be possibly spun off that will be for higher level, you know, entries and so forth. And my understanding is a lot of really big names in our industry that get a lot of, you know, have a lot of followers out there are very interested in this, you know, that, and, and I think anybody that wants to compete at the highest level of our sport, I think would be interested in that, you know, look at, look at 50 that. anglers from each of the four circuits create you a 200 angler field. There you go. And that's your baseline, right? And then once you achieve your baseline, set a tournament trail that involves nine events and you have to fish them all. <laughs> Go to places where I will get my ass whipped. And <laughs> I will learn it or I will die trying. But isn't Jordan, isn't this kind of like a committing suicide on your career suicide? Because if you take the top 25 in your tournament and you force them that they have to fish that other one, now, as a tournament director, you got to try to schedule around that or you're going to lose that top 25 field. Or is that a good thing? Does that open the door for other folks to come up and, and qualify their way in? You know, I think I think that's a great way to move to have that in between your your then you don't have as many people going to tournaments and getting their feelings hurt. <laughs> like, people that are paying money are going there and are paying a bigger amount. They're going there and they're going to be mad, but they aren't going there and getting their feelings hurt because so-and-so beat me. And I think, oh, you know, making up, you know, it's like, no, I know I got beat by Russ or so, you know, I'm going to keep saying Russ because he's Russ the man. Yeah. Is that, like, a, is that a Russ Snyder hat you're wearing? <laughs> I can't see much. on the camera. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I do the same thing with Josh. Don't worry. <laughs> I fanboy out for him all the time. <laughs> you know, that's and that was uh, I'm not I'm, I'm just going to spill some beans here. So I got kind of words, some insider trading knowledge, if you will, about the possibility of that circuit spinning up this year. I was sitting at three events that I had fished for the All-American and my plan was to fish two bass events for the remainder of the year because I wanted to test those waters too last year in my rookie season. I wanted to just feel this out. But when I got word that this might come down in the top 25 in AOI is going to get an invite, I rearranged the end of my year schedule, dropped out of one bass event, jumped in a final Bull Shoals event down there because I knew bro, I'm sitting really clean for a top 25 position with the, you know, AOI. All I got to do is go down there and maybe put a fish or two up on the board and I should have enough points that I'm, I'm going to be well inside the top 25. And so we did that. 
you know, and then much to my chagrin, I didn't see any big flashy news about a new entry, about a new deal unfolding this year yet. Um, so yeah, I agree totally. I think that 25 from the major, from those four, you could, you know, will everybody accept the invite? No, but yeah. So if you invite it, you know, you know, doubled that or whatever, you, you know, the first 200 to sign up are in, um, there's proof in the pudding that that works, dude. NPFL. I'm going to be honest with you. When it first came out and they said, this is the work of man's pro league. It's 5,000 to get in. I'm like, where in the hell are these guys working that they're doing <laughs> that? They're affording that, but they did it. Smart business, good marketing, well-managed, and they've got it themselves a national professional series now. And they seem to be doing all right. You know, doing this. I mean, it, it can be done. I don't know the first thing about starting a series like that with permits and legals and insurance and all that mess. So, you know, I, I can't speak educated on that, but. Uh, so I want yep. to touch on Joe Komayade uh, posted, you know, if we do this, then you're only going to get 50 people. Oh, well, if we get 50 people for the first year, that's still a five, a $50,000 pot to play with. That's true. You know, even if you cut out five or 10,000 to hold back for something like that's a bigger pot than we get at most in most tournaments. And that's a bigger first place than any tournament out there right now, other than a championship. Right. You know, you're, if you get 50 people, your first place payout is bigger than anything else. And if you get 50 people to do that for a year, I, I highly doubt you don't see 50 people signed up the next year. I was going to say the first time you see a couple guys holding up $25,000 checks for fishing a field against 49 other people. Yeah. Tell me you're not going to start getting a bunch of yakers lining up going, I, I want a little sample of that. Yeah. <laughs> How many places does the MPFL pay? It's 40. 40 down. Yeah. And how many anglers do they have competing in the field? Uh, 150. No, nowhere close. They usually average around 95. Oh, no kidding. I thought they yeah. were about 150 an event. A lot of people can't afford the cost to get in. Yep. They can't afford the, the baseline because it comes down to two things. Look, the only thing that I tell would tell you is keeping me from going to the MPFL as a sponsor. Right. If I can get a sponsor to help, look, the call's there. Yep. The boat's in the, the, boat's in the garage. Right. The only thing keeping me from making my way into the MPFL is a sponsor. Okay. Why do I fish the kayaks? Because I can do more. I have run the numbers to fish the MPFL with no sponsors. I require about 75 grand. Right. With no sponsors. Okay. To fish the bass opens on the new rule base to come out and compete and try and make myself a spot in the league, I need about 70 grand. Okay. That includes lodging, mileage, gas. That's everything, the whole kit and caboodle. Right. Yeah. And that's that number alone staggers a lot of folks. You know, we know that it's like that's that's a legit, you know, cost, you know, that that's out there. And in, unfortunately, it's not going to go, you know, because what you don't factor in is, you know, the, the low end unit that you tear up or the, you know, the, the maintenance that's got to be done on the boat or, you know, this kind of stuff that goes on. Obviously, on the on the the higher level series, you do get some help when it comes to that. You know, there there are ways if you play your cards right, you can get some help with that sort of stuff. But 
Um, having said that, it's it's not a cheap game to play, and that is one very attractive. It's what it was one of the main attractors for me personally that brought me from boats to kayak. I realized that with my primary responsibility now being the nonprofit work, my cost of operation and cost of competition has dropped drastically by jumping in the kayak game. You know, and and with the right sponsorship and support on the fishing side, we're ready to go. You know, take it to whatever level that we can go to. We, you know, it's it's completely separate from my nonprofit piece, but it's so it's it seems to be like this juggling, you know, system set up there. But I, I agree 100% with you guys. I think that series opens up and they do it, you know, they they create a you've qualified for this this way, you know, type setup, especially if you build it for a year. If someone were to come out, you know, next week and say, this is a real deal, we've got things in line, we are gonna, we're gonna start taking applications on this. If you are in the top 40 or whatever angler of the year points from all these divisions and, and this is going to come down, you're going to get an invite from us. Dude, I, I think this thing has the potential of really, you know, creating with it. And the, one of the things, Josh, that I will say that I really appreciated, although I thought they were encroaching, I thought they were coming in on my spot first thing in the morning, was the media boat that Bass gives to the kayak group. That's fantastic, dude. That was that was huge. That really, as a competitor, I'm like, hey, they actually do give a shit. You know, <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome that they actually send. I literally, like I said, I thought it was a pair of knuckleheads creeping up on my grass flat that I had found out there at Pickwick. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there looking back over my shoulder and finally one of them starts talking to me. And, hey, we're the media boat. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, come on in, guys. Come on in. <laughs> Yeah, media boat. Oh shoot! Let me uh, let me clean things up here. Get my procast on. <laughs> but yeah, my mind doesn't stop to talk to you. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they asked. You know, they asked me if I'd put anything up, and I was like, I've caught. Uh, I, uh, I've caught two keepers. You know, so far this morning. I was like, but I just haven't submitted them up because my cell reception's not so great. You know, right here, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. And so I was like, come on, I got to catch one right when that boat's here, man. Let's go. <laughs> That's going to be, you know, we get the money shot right there. <laughs> no, no such luck. And they they got bored and left, and so did I. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, good stuff, good stuff. So as we go forward, you know, with this stuff, uh, again, I, I personally am super excited about the fact that we've got these trails, you know, all talking together. Bass, and I'm going to be kind of odd on this. I'm going to, Jordan, I'm going to ask this question of you first. So up to this point, Bass has been putting on like five events. Okay. That's, that's what they've been committing into. I can't help but think that now with Steve, you know, uh, at the, at the helm of this and really going to be directing that next year, we're probably going to see more events from them, you know, locking up and maybe a little bit more diversity in where they're going with this thing. I'm really hoping for that, you know, that, that, that becomes, you know, part of it to, to draw in, you know, bigger numbers uh, early on in the season, especially, but what do you think it, it, you know, with, with, uh, Bass's involvement, you know, with, with that, that schedule piece, what do you think is there, you know, the, the next logical move, uh, for them moving forward? Uh, well, first off, I, I think they have the perfect person in the driver's seat for that right now. Like yeah. Steve-O is, I can't say enough about that guy. He's a great, great guy. And yep. he, like AJ 
has his his heart in the right direction. Like he just wants kayak fishing to grow. Um, you know, so realistically, anything that I, that they do, they're going to get the anglers to follow them because he has the following behind him. Um, yeah, I think and they the, will, and the bass name behind him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, when I know he kind of was heading it when it first when they first started for that first year and i don't think they gave him as much you know as much just free ability to go do whatever he thought was necessary rather than it was more do it by our business plan this is what we do this is how we do it well in the kayak world like we got a bunch of guys that are got a bunch of anglers that want to pay for their entry fee the day or two before a tournament or, you know, stuff like that, like little things like that, that they just didn't get that, you know, didn't work out necessarily for them in some of those tournaments, especially that first year. You know, I know there was a lot of people that didn't, that should know that rule, but forgot or something happened. And it's like, oh man, now I can't fish Lake Fork or I can't fish these events because I forgot about the entry fee because it was the first time that they had it. So, you know, there was a little bit of growing pains there, but I think, like I said, they're going in the right direction with Steve-O um, and they're going to get those anglers to follow him because of that. That's yeah. And I, and I agree too. when it, when their schedule dropped this year um, for me personally, just my personal situation, I was, I was, I was like, God dang it. I was really holding out because I was going to make all American and bass. I was going to say, okay, you were my t top two. This is the way we're going this year. You know, we're going to push heavy. And then my Colorado kayak bass masters was going to be, you know, the, what I was going to do on the locals, you know, tip to fill out the rest of the schedule. And then, um, you know, seeing the schedule where everything was at. And it's like, man, if I fish those, then I not only have to give up any shot at AOI for all American, but then I also lose the local one too. I lose any shot of, of, you know, qualifying for the classic through my local nation stuff. So I'm like, so let me get this straight to go fish five events. I'm going to give up or kind of make it almost pointless, you know, going on the trail for two other series, you know? And then of course the last deciding factor was um, that Pickwick drive scarred me, dude. I, I did that so wrong. I did the drive wrong. I tried to power through 18 hours at 49 years old and I'm just not there anymore. Um, the whole time I was there in Pickwick, Josh, I, I just never felt good. You know, I was just hazy in the brain. I never felt like I dialed in. And it was because I spent 24 hours on the damn road trying to get there, you know, 18 hour trip. And I was stopping, trying to sleep and it, there was no sleep. And so when I saw that one of those could be east, further east, you know, I'm like, that's in a different continent at that point to me <laughs> i oh no i don't think i can make this you know and you know so yeah we we opted to i'm gonna get one of their events in at lacrosse of course um that's uh absolutely and i'm just crossing fingers for next year so that i can focus heavy you know on the bass and all american you know those two series and then i'll look I'll let that kind of battle out from there. But Josh, what do you think is next? Uh, you know, Hobie's leading the deal. When I crunched the numbers, these, this isn't real science here, but Hobie was about 150 on their entry. Bass was next closest, averaging roughly, um, I want to say around, uh, I think, high 70s. Um, no, they were low 80s is what they averaged because they're early on in their season, man. They were stacking the field. Later on in the season, the numbers dropped drastically. Um, 
like we were talking about earlier, as all series do. But um, KBF was then and then the All-American. So what does Hobie do next? You know, I mean, what's their they just keep growing it as it is or you think they're they're going to kick the door open with stuff or what, what's the next step? You know, I don't honestly know the answer to that question. I think Hobie is sustainable where it's at. Absolutely. Uh, I think with the entry fees and the fisheries that are put in the book, <coughs> we need to turn out the numbers. Now, I think they're going to continue to have fall-offs as they migrate to certain portions of the country. Um, some of it's travel-related. Some of it's some of it's dedication-related. Like, you know, when you only have to fish three or four events uh, to get into a, the top, you know, if you have three really good events at the top, you know, do I need to spend all the money to go to Wisconsin? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something from a dedication standpoint that, like, for me, when that opened up, and the Clear Lake showed up on the first year, I was going. And the only reason why I didn't get to go was because my work wouldn't let me because of COVID. <laughs> and you're talking Clear Lake, California. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Clear Lake, California. Because for me as an angler, if I want to grow, if I want to be the best angler that I can be, I got to put myself in positions that make me uncomfortable. I got to learn how to throw different baits, do different things. I got to get my tail whipped. You know, I've got to get... I've got to be hungry. I've got to want it. I've got to want to win. You know, and if I don't want to win, if I'm just out there just kind of poking around, you know, there's there's a motivation. There's a dream that some of us have in the fishing industry. And I, I see it through these college anglers coming up to the circus. They love what they do. They love to fish. They live and die fishing. And the it's been my whole life. I've always loved to dive fishing, but when I finally start, broke down and started tournament fishing, I was like, look, this is always what I've wanted to do. And the first thing about it is, is proving to myself that I can earn one of those. That's what it was. It was proving myself I can earn one of those. Nothing else. I wanted to prove to myself that I could step on the stage with every single angler in the nation and go, I can compete with you. Right. That's what it was for me. Not for nobody else. Not for a sponsor. Not really for a paycheck, but it was to prove to myself. And, you know, the national stage, Hobie, BASS, KBF, they've given me that opportunity to do that. And for me, that will eternally remain special. But as I continue to strive to be a better angler, you know, I want to continue to grow. And so, you know, when I watch somebody like Drew Gregory win three or four events in a season, you know, <laughs> that's what I aspire for, you know. I want to go out and know that I can dissect the fishery and find the fish in the hardest of times, in the easiest of times, and make the adjustments. To me, the challenge is the lake. The challenge is myself. The challenge is fatigue. The challenge is travel. You know, you talk about traveling 18 hours. When I go to lacrosse, lacrosse is on my schedule twice this year. 18 hours, both times. It's a lot of miles. It'll be for BASS, and it will likely be for Hobie if I go the second round. And lacrosse is an amazing fishery it can whip your butt it can be difficult it can be easy i don't know what i'm getting into water could be low but look i'm dedicated to making that trip and saying all right let's test myself well you know and that's uh, uh i want to get to one of the comments that i just put up here uh just because i'm super super grateful and thankful uh the tournament director of not only the moyak fishing series but the all-american kayak series is uh watching us here and he had commented on something but jordan that's that's the piece that i that 
what Josh has just been talking about, you and I have spoke about this at length, and this is what I hope folks take away from this is no one is bashing uh, the, um, you know, the, the weekend warrior, right? The guy that wants to get out and fish, you know, and travel a little bit and check out some regional stuff and explore some of these things. Matter of fact, that's what our sport needs, man. That's the grassroots. But we can also we can also say that we need and our sports ready for that next level event, for that next level series. And they shouldn't be upset. That same group there, while we give respect, you know, uh, you know, to, to the other side, it needs to also understand that there's a group of dedicated anglers that dude, it's, it's, if you want to get outside of the, the money, we know the amount of money is crazy what we have to dedicate to do this stuff, but the time, Jordan, I mean, that you have to put in to compete against dudes like you two. I mean, if I go out there on one day of practice, well, I'm just going to wing it out there. I might as well just walk up and hand you boys my check you know, on, on the way I'll go. I'm just going to save the energy and I'm just going to go uh, fun fish because <laughs> you just, you're not going to compete against the Drew Gregory's, you know, and, and, and you guys out there, Jordan talk. I mean, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on the, you know, that, that commitment piece, that pro level, you know, side of it, that's, you know, what's next for us. You know, to go back to the weekend warrior thing, it's like, we, we have to keep those guys happy yep. because in the regional level, you know, that is the, that's the turnout there. And it's, um, I don't really worry. No, I don't want to go too far with this one to sure, sure, sure. mad, you know, it's like, cause the truth is the bottom pays the top. Yep. And that's, that's, that's it. And some of the guys that get, you know, when we did that rule change on the All-American, it's like how many people were complaining that they're not going to come to these tournaments because they because of minimum limits. You know, back to what we said earlier, yeah. why are you coming in the first place? You're coming to those tournaments to have fun. Is the fact that you're not turning in 12-inch fish, you know, going to make your, your fun, your day any less fun? No, it, you just have to change your mindset on that. Yeah. Um, and then – and I don't think anybody should be upset. I don't, I don't want to cut. I'm just interject real quick. No one watching should be upset when we talk about the bottom pays the top, because that is just the rule of any sport that you pay entry fee to get into and compete at. That is just the, you know, it's a dog eat dog world, ladies and germs. And that's just the reality of it. There will always be that group of anglers that kill them. Even when the fishery is fishing gnarly. There'll always be that. And so th it isn't an insult. It's just, it's a truth piece. And yeah, you do need those lower, you know, the, the, the guys are going to finish in the bottom, you know, 50% to help keep this series. You know, we're, we're role players, right? It's like second and third string. You don't have a football team without second and third stringers, dude. You know, and unfortunately I'm a second stringer right now. I get that. I'm trying to bust my ass to get to that first string. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, the piece to go at. So yeah, I, Feel free to, to speak on there. Hopefully nobody, you know, gets their feelings hurt too bad. If they do, cool. They can comment and help our viewership. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, you know, ultimately, hopefully, you know, folks uh, that, you know, these are some awesome conversations. I wanted to just put this back up there. Uh, there was a question about, you know, the advanced signup and, and we had the expert, uh, Mr. Mr. Booth. 
you know, pitch in there and give us, you know, that some of the insurance policies out there require that all competitors of an event be submitted in advance in order to be covered on their insurance. That's why, you know, we can't have, you know, folks signing up, you know, pay at the ramp, you know, type set up there. And I think that that's a, a very solid point. If you are going to up the ante, then you got to get, accept the fact that you need to be more professional about this and do your deposit up front. Uh, make sure that you're in, you know, so that we can count you in, you know, and that this is going to be run because at that point it raises the stakes, man. You know, it's, it's no longer just a, a bunch of us, you know, looking for bragging rights at that point, you know, type deal. It starts to get more serious. Well, listen, guys, we've, we've gone about an hour 15 here. I know we, as, as you know, three anglers to get them together, we could sit here and talk all night long, but we're going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Um, I want to give you both an opportunity to, uh, uh, to uh, give any shout outs you wanted to give shout outs to. I personally want to thank you both from the bottom of my heart so, so much for coming on our little podcast here. Um, we have a small army but they're dedicated. That's following us, you know, running around out there and we're growing very organically. Uh, our followers are, are folks that, you know, that are, that are dedicated to the mission of the true Patriot outfitters um, of service to others. And, you know, and then the fishing side of it, we've got a lot of those And what you guys have brought to the field, your followers, your supporters, supporters coming, you know, tuning in with us. It, I, I don't have words to thank you guys enough, you know, for this. Uh, I'll buy you dinner next time I see you guys on the trail out there. Um, Jordan, I'll probably run into you a lot more. And then Josh, again, we got lacrosse, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get a chance to meet there for sure. And uh, 2024, maybe it opens up, uh, you know, doors there. But, yeah, I wanted to throw this, give, like I said, for any sponsors, any supporters, any final thoughts you have. Uh, Josh, uh, Mike's yours, brother. I think for starters, I want to thank the trails. You know, I want to thank Kobe. I want to thank BASS. I want to thank uh, KBF. Uh, I want to thank All American and every element that's trying to take this to the next level that keeps bringing people in competition and opportunity to the anglers like myself, that like Jordan, like others out there that just want to try and find a way to live a dream. You know, those are the people I want to thank first. You know, behind that, you know, obviously I got to thank my friends, my family, and my fans because, look, a lot of this gets done because they give me the opportunity to do this. And then That's last, the truth. you know, the people, the businesses, whether they're small, big, whatever, that support me. You know, 5 by 3 has been in my corner for the last, you know, 18 months. It's been a great partnership. I love having them around. Chase Bates is an example in that space. Um, you know, Socks and Cookies. There's a number of organizations like that that, you know, help they help me move forward. And, you know, you know, a lot of conversation goes back and forth about what's good and bad there, but every single one of those individuals, every single one of those companies, every single one of those organizations, they're helping me with my opportunity to go chase a dream. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And so thank you to all of them. And thank you to you for having us here. Um, the friendship that we've built and, I love hanging out with you, talking with you, and I look forward to the many opportunities to fish going forward. Likewise, brother. Likewise, Jordan. All yours, homie. Uh, to kind of echo what Josh said there, you know, definitely gotta give the shout out to all the organizations that that put this on. You know, between KBF, Hobie, Bass, you know, and for me especially, All American. Uh, 
you know, I got to give those guys all the credit. They're, they're, they, they're the reason why we can do what we do. Um, you know, for me, especially Josh, I, I really appreciate how, what the opportunity he's given the guys in the Midwest, um, yep. you know, and all across that central part of the U S um, another one I have to say is Jeremiah at explore the cross. I get right. so much, so much grief. You do. <laughs> I hate the cross and not that I hate the place. I hate that. That, like I said, that's our option. So, right, right. I, but I love what he does for us. That, that, that guy works so hard for us. He's done a lot for the all American, you know, he's done a lot for all of the series across. That is the reason why we have events up North period. Like if yep. it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have stuff up North. Um, so I have to give him a huge shout out. Um, Explore across just so much for, for fishing. All fishing. In area. Yep. Yep. All competitive fishing, all any type of fishing is it's an awesome organization and they do a great job. Um, you know, other than that, friends and family. Um, and that's kind of about it for me. Awesome, man. Awesome. And, and I agree. We had the, we had the privilege to, uh, Jeremiah joined us, uh, at Lewis and Clark at our Airbnb. He, he stayed there. What a cool, cool dude. Uh, you know, he, he comes in and, uh, I actually, I think I saw him at the ramp first. Uh, we were at this real obscure, uh, little, little graveled out area up on the North side, up on, uh, uh, South Dakota side of the river. And I was like, you know, there's room for two trucks in there. And I was already in there and this dude comes in and he gets out. He's got the super bright shirt on, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know we're bringing in guys from California. This is awesome. <laughs> and he starts chatting with that. I'm like, I like this dude, this guy. And he's like, Hey, I'm Jeremiah. And I'm like, Hey, I feel like I should know you. I've seen your face somewhere, you know, type thing. We got talking and I don't know, it was uh, maybe 20 minutes into it. Cause I was just loading everything up. And I was giving him the full deal of everything I had found at this place, you know, up in these little sloughs. I was like, you know, if you can do better than me, I, you know, I didn't find too much. He tells me he's got to get over to this Airbnb staying at. I'm like, yeah, yeah, me too. Where, where are you staying at? <laughs> he tells me, and I'm like, well, shit, we're roommates, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, and to hear him talk about, you know, explore lacrosse and what they do to bring in so many series. You're right, man. That's a, that is a, a big, big deal out there. Well, listen, folks, again, we can't, uh, you know, thank you guys from all of us here at the True Patriot Outfitters, all of uh, all of our network of, of support that we have. This was a cool, super uh, odd for us to try to, you know, keep getting our feet wet on this live broadcast stuff that we're, we're doing here. We're going to keep trying to put out a couple episodes uh, a week here leading up to March. Because once March gets going and we start getting on the road here, this stuff gets a little harder to do. So I want to, I've got a library stacking up here of some great interviews. And by the time I air them, it'll be like, I've just, it, Monday's interview, by the way, was from November. That's about to drop. I interviewed this guy back in November. So it's like, yeah, I got to start getting these out here. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to start dropping a couple of these stuff. Uh, tune in. We'll have a, a new schedule. Mondays will remain always, but we may have another schedule on Wednesdays, Thursdays, where we're doing some of this stuff. So thank you for all you folks at home that joined us here. That was awesome having this many live views, uh, you know, checking in us. And gentlemen, hey, uh, this season, uh, absolutely, you know, watch your six, be safe out there. But above all, tight lines, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks.